Welcome to week number one of our series that we're calling Live a Legacy. Uh, we have only been preparing for this series, I think, for only 10 months, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, it, it's about time. I was about to give this in March, and we like, no, nope, not just yet. And we decided to instead to put it off uh, until the fall. Before we jump into that, though, I, I, I just want to say we have had an incredible week here uh, at Valley with our Connexus conference. We had over 100 people. Uh, in attendance for that, and uh, if if you were here, you know it was it's it's rare in life that you plan something and it exceeds your expectations. I'm always kind of like under promise and hopefully over deliver. I was blown away uh, myself uh, during the during the week. It was just fantastic, and uh, I want to just share with you because we're going to be doing it again, uh, a little different format, just a, a day and a half. Uh, can we put up that, that slide there? Our next Connexus conference is going to be April 27th and 28th right here at Bally. And then again next year, October 19th through 20th. It's going to be Friday and, and pretty much all day Saturday. And uh, we'll ask someone who was here, and they'll tell you all about it. Um, and uh, we're, we're expecting probably three times as many people uh, come April. Uh, really incredible. Just what God is doing as people are discovering their purpose, that God has placed you where you are for his sake, and to influence other people for his sake right where you are. And uh, I, I can't say enough about that. And thanks to the staff, uh, I've given everybody off uh, on Friday the, the church is going to be closed uh, because they went overtime uh, this week, to say the least. So uh, we have a dream team around us. Uh, we're jumping into this series now called Live a Legacy. If you have your Valley app, go ahead and open that up. I think you're going to want to make sure that you have these notes saved. And uh, that's one of the cool things. Not only can you fill in the blanks, follow along with the outline, look back on the scriptures, but it'll save it for you on this app, those notes for years to come, uh, literally. And uh, what we're talking about here is, is just really this perspective. I'm going to be sharing each week, this is a four-part series, a little bit more about the future of our church. Just a little piece here, next week another piece, Next over the next four weeks, uh, because we're standing really on the threshold of something absolutely incredible. I'm going to share with you some of that uh, tonight uh, during our time in this message this week that, that we're calling Driven by Eternity. Now here at Valley, we have a, kind of a simple strategy, uh, really, and I've shared this before. Uh, there's four things that we're looking to help everyone do. Uh, when they come in. It doesn't matter if you've never been in church before, or maybe it's been years and years and years. Uh, m maybe you just moved in an area, you're looking for a new church, or for some reason, you know, you found yourself uh, here. Our strategy, number one, and this is all based on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 18, a prayer that's found there, is first of all, we want to help you to know God better. We want to help you to know God better. That there's nothing in life like a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we want to help you to know God better. The second thing is to find freedom. You know, we all have issues. We all have stuff that we're baggage that we're carrying with us and all. And the Bible says that it was for freedom that Christ died to set you free. And so God wants us to be free so that we can be everything that he created us to be, everything he created you to be, everything he created me to be. And so finding freedom, and that happens in our small groups primarily, our community groups, our short-term groups. Um, you know, a number of different groups that we have going on. I actually, I think it's close to 30 or 40 groups we have on an ongoing basis. That's where that happens in our small groups. And then we want you to help you discover your purpose. Uh, what on earth are you here for? Uh, why did God create you? You're not here by accident, as I like to say. You know, there are no such thing as accidental children, accidental babies. There are accidental parents, but not accidental children. And, and so every, the fact that you have a beating heart right now inside of you, God has a plan and a purpose, a unique plan and purpose for your life. And where we discover that is in growth track, especially uh, in week number three, where you take some assessments, and it helps you to discover your personality and also the spiritual gifts that God's given to you that you may not even be aware of by just taking a simple assessment there and, and how you will ultimately find fulfillment when you, can I put it this way, function by design where you find where you fit in. And, and so that's a big passion point for us. Knowing God better, finding freedom, and, and uh, discovering purpose. And then the fourth thing is this, and that's really what this whole series is all about, making a difference. Making a difference. I, I think deep inside every one of our hearts, we all want to make a difference in this world. Not just take up time and use up space. But how can I make my life really, truly count for something? 
That's what this whole series is really going to be all about. And we're all about that here at Valley Christian Church. We're all about doing everything we can, whatever it takes, short of sin, to make a difference for the kingdom of God and for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about being driven by eternity and start out by this. One of the ways that we make a difference is through generosity. And generosity can be given of our, our time, given of our uh, uh, ideas and expertise, given of our resources. In fact, look at what the Bible says in Psalm chapter, uh, the 112th Psalm verse, Psalm, verse 5 and 6. It says, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs. That's about the way that we live. Who, who gives generously and, and lives in a right way. Good will come to him who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely, watch this, he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Not just in his own lifetime. A righteous man will be, will be remembered forever. And I love this promise here. Surely he will never be shaken. Doesn't it seem like the world around us is shaken right now? I mean, it seems like everything is shaken. And it doesn't say the world won't shake, but it says you won't be shaken. You won't be shaken. That you and I can stand in the midst of uncertain times when it seems like everything is kind of spiraling out of control, but we will not be shaken. That's the promise that the Word makes to us, the Bible makes to us. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. And so that's what we're going to be talking about in this series, the whole idea of living a legacy. Sometimes you hear people talking about leaving a legacy. But I believe that we can actually live a legacy right now, right where we are, and also leave a legacy, but we don't have to wait until we're gone. In fact, I can't help but think about uh, my wife's uncle, uh, uh, actually two of her uncles, but one specifically. He's getting on up in age, and uh, he's a single fella, and, uh, and he just decided, you know what, I have an inheritance. He doesn't have any kids, and he's like, I have an inheritance. He only has three nieces, no, no nephews. And, and he said, uh, actually, yeah, I'm sorry, four. He has four nieces, no nephews. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to cash in all that inheritance I have. I want to give it to him right now. And so he keeps sending us gold, <laughs> like gold, gold. And, and he was the one that all expense paid to go see him uh, and, and her other uncle. I mean, they wouldn't let me pay for dinner. They wouldn't let me pay for anything except souvenirs. Is that you're on your own. But, uh, but all expense paid. And even while we're there, he's like, I have something for you. He brings out this little box, and it's these gold, solid gold coins. And we're like, why are you doing this? And he said, I want to see you enjoy my inheritance. He's living a legacy. He, he's not, you know, he, he's got, he's like, I'm not going to wait till you're gone. I'm not going to wait till I'm gone and I don't get to see it. He's living a legacy. And God knows he's my favorite Uncle Fritz. He really is. I love that guy. I'm like, you're awesome. I love you so much. You know, it just, uh, really fantastic. But what, what is a legacy? What really is a legacy? Here's a legacy. When my life lives on. When my life lives on. And, and like I said, just, just use an example. He, he's getting on up in age, and I, I pray he lives to be 100. But if he doesn't, after he's gone, we'll never forget like the two weeks we just had in Germany. It's, it, it was a trip of a lifetime. Especially when, it, when the bill would come for dinner. He's like, I got that. And I'm like, oh, I love you so much, man. The legacy is where my life lives on. How do, how, do we, how do we live a legacy? How do we leave a legacy? Here it is, by giving to something that will outlive me. By giving to something that will outlive me. That's how we leave a legacy. That's how we live a legacy. By giving to something that will outlive me. And then this, living so my life outlives me. Living so that my, out, my life outlives me. And we're going to be talking about that a lot over the next few weeks. What are you doing right now that's going to count for all time and eternity? Because this, this life is not all that there is. How are we living right now 
You know, it just reminds me of uh, that scene, one of my favorite movies, Gladiator. You know, where Russell Crowe, right before they go into that first battle, he, he addresses the troops, the general, Maximus Aurelius. And he says, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. Do you know what this life is compared to eternity? It's a grain of sand on the beach. 70 years, 80 years, say you live 100 years. What is that compared to 500 billion years that await us? Nothing. And 500 billion years, by the way, eternity hadn't even got started yet. It's a grain of sand. Living so my life outlives me. My pastor was here for Connexus Conference, Dr. Ron Cottle. He said he's 38 dyslexic. He's 83 years old. 83 years old. He's forgotten more about God than I'll ever know. 83 years old, sharp as a tack. Next April, he'll be 84 years old. And there's so much that he's deposited in my life uh, over the last 17 years or so. And, and he even stood there and he was just, man, he just makes me cry all the time when I'm around him. And he said, my life, I want my life to be the floor that Greg walks on. I want to live my life in such a way that it's the floor that he walks on. And that he builds from that. And that one day he leaves a floor for other people to walk on. He's, he's, got, the, he's got it. He's got the mindset being driven for eternity. See, here's the thing. The goal of life isn't to live on earth forever, but to leave something that does. The goal of life isn't to live on earth forever. That's impossible. But to leave something that really does. And so, uh, this introductory message, as we're talking about living a legacy, uh, I want to share with you, every one of us is going to face a test. At the end of our life, at the end of time, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to all stand before God, and, and He's going to give us a test. I, I don't know about you, but I was never a good test taker. Well, college, I was, I was pretty decent, but high school, no way. I, I just want to be honest. Uh, I maintain a solid, I graduated from John Jay High School with no honors whatsoever. Uh, and I, I maintained a solid D average. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how hard that is to not ever get a C or a B or an A? Just D, straight through. Solid 77 average. That's what I graduated from. I'm not even going to tell you what number I was in my graduating class. And it's crazy because I, I just didn't understand why I couldn't pass tests just because I never brought books home to study. All through high school, my parents were like, don't you have any homework? Yeah, but I got it done. I never brought a book home. Oh, by the way, I never had any books in my hand while I was walking through the hallways either. It was like if I, either, I either got it while I was standing in, in class or it wasn't going to happen. And, and so I didn't even know how to study. I, I, I feel God called me to be a pastor. I had no idea. Like, what is chemistry? I'm never going to use that as a pastor. So I was just like, whatever. And, and, and I went down to Bible college. I'm like, okay, this is it. Uh, down in Pensacola, Susie was a sophomore at the time. I'm a freshman. I take my first class, the life of Christ. This is important stuff. I got a D in the life of Christ. Yeah, that's the guy who's speaking right now. I got a D. And, and I struggled, and, and it kind of kind of came up a little bit to B. And so I started getting Bs, but I really, really struggled, especially those multiple choice. I mean... Every one of those answers always look right to me. You know, A, you know, you're adorable. B, you are so beautiful. C, you are crazy. But it was always D, all of the above. And I, I, I just always messed up. And those fill-in-the-blanks were like, where am I supposed to get that? You mean it's supposed to be my head? Are you kidding me? And it wasn't until Susie and I started dating. Susie was the valedictorian of my graduating class. 3.96 in five years. Only class she got a B in. Five years with a major and a minor. Only class she got a B in. I got an A in. <laughs> and I always hang that over her head all the time. Yeah, because the pastor who taught it and his, his secretary graded it, and I used to go in and like, hey, I brought you a little hot chocolate. How are you there? Yeah, just pick this flower for you, you know. And uh, I got an A, she got a B. So anyway... But my parents loved Susie. You know why? Because my GPA went up when we started dating. 
She taught me how to study. She literally taught I didn't know how to prepare for a test. I didn't know how to even take notes and turn them into a study guide. Anything like that, she taught me how to study. She taught me how you could actually listen to the teacher. Most teachers would kind of even give you an idea of what's on the test by the way they even lecture. And, and so she just taught me how to train my ear, how to listen, how to prepare, and then how to actually take the test. Every one of us is going to have a test when we stand before God. And here's what I want to do in the time we have right now. I not only want to give you the questions, I want to give you the answers. Are you ready? This is why I think you want that Valley app open, okay? Because I'm about to give you the questions. There's two questions. Two questions that every one of us are going to answer. God has a two-question test. And, and, and here's how we know about it. Bible tells us in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, it talks about this whole idea of the test. Listen, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? Or why are you looking down and, and criticizing people? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Everyone say all. All. That means no exemptions. That means every single one of us one day will stand before God. And I don't know how exactly how this is going to happen. If it's like, uh, Greg Williamson, calling Greg Williamson. I'm going to be standing there in front of everyone like, yes. But every single one of us, individually, is the sense we get, are going to stand before God. This, this, this is kind of scary. Watch this now. It is written, now it's quoting from another place in the Bible, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will acknowledge God. Think about that. Even people that deny him, want nothing to do with God, one day will be like, uh-oh. And it says, every knee is going to bow. Now, here's the thing. You want to be on the team when that happens. In other words, don't let that be the first time you bow your knee. Don't, don't let that be the first time you confess, you acknowledge God. You, you want to kind of like, get into practice of it. I want to be in the practice of it. And so it says, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. Even atheists will be like, okay, I was wrong. Just like that. This is a teaching, clear teachings of Scripture. And the Bible goes on and says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Every one of us they're going to stand before him, and we're going to have to give an account. And here's the thing. You can't pull the wool over his eyes. He knows everything. And he's going to ask us two questions. Think about it. You're standing before God right now. Not your spouse with you. Not your kids. Not your grandparents. No one. You. All by yourself. Me all by myself. We have to give an account before God. And here's the first question that we're going to have to answer. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Look at what Revelation chapter 20 explains this. This is, every one of us is going to go through this. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, every one of us are going to find ourselves in this position. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 and 12. Then I saw a great white throne and him, who, uh, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. In other words, everything we know is gone, and we're standing there. It goes on, it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. That means everyone, even those who have died, resurrected again to stand before God. And books were opened. Now notice this, books. Watch this now. And books were opened Another book was opened. So here's the thing. There's these books that are going to be opened. Boom, 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 boom. And it's going to have all the activities of your life. Everything you've ever done. Everything you've ever said. Every thought you have ever thought is going to be written down in these books. But then there's going to be another book. This book is the book of those who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior those who have recognized that Jesus came and lived a perfect life sinless life but he laid his life down as a sacrifice to pay the price for their personal sins he made that sacrifice for them and 
their name is written in that book, which is called, referred to in other places as the Lamb's Book of Life. And they're going to say, Greg, they're going to open the book. All these books and all, every thought I've thought, everything I've said, everything I've done. And I will be in that moment, vividly everything of my life displayed. And then the other book will be open like, uh-uh, wait a minute, Greg's name is in this book. And then all of a sudden, everything in those books, whew, gone. Every one of us is going to go through this. But is the name in the book. The dead were judged according to what they had done and rec- uh, what they had done as recorded in the books. But when our, we receive Christ as our Savior, never be good enough. We don't earn his forgiveness. We receive the free gift of salvation. Then it doesn't matter what's in those books anymore. That's that's gone. Is our name, is your name in the book? The Lamb's Book of Life. Now, all those that are in that book, the book of Lamb's Book of Life, it's not over yet. There's another judgment that's going to happen. This is what the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 7. Look at this. Matthew chapter 7. Actually, uh, yeah, before we actually get there. uh, We're on Matthew chapter 7. Before we get to that other judgment, just a second. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus puts it this way. Not everyone, watch this now, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not many of those say, I'm a Christian. Listen, going to church doesn't make you any more a Christian than going to the grocery store makes you a turnip. It, it's not about going to church. Reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. There's only one thing that makes you a follower of Christ. Jesus says many people, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And it goes on, he says, listen to what he says. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, and he goes, we did all this kind of stuff for you. Watch this. Did we not prophesy your name and and your name drive out demons? In your name perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, watch this now. I never knew you. I didn't have a relationship with you. You knew about me. You were around all kinds of religious stuff. Didn't know me. Away from me, you evildoers. See, at the end of the day, eternity is about it's not what you know, it's who you know. Man, that is a a truth of the universe. It's not what you know. It's who you know. He says, I never knew you. This word no is a relational term. It's, it's, it's a growing relationship. That's the first question. And here's the answer to that question. Well, I'll give you the right answer right here. The right answer is this. I knew him personally. These two questions are like passive. I knew him personally. Let me ask you, do you know him personally? Or do you just know some things about him? Or or, or is your relationship with Jesus closer today than it was last year? Or last month? Or last week? Or last night? The right answer is, I knew him personally. And those are the names that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's question number one. Here's question number two. What did you do with what I gave you? God is going to ask you, God is going to ask me, what did you do with what I gave you? Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now this is those that are in the Lamb's book of life. They're in heaven. Now we all, all those that, 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 that die in faith in Jesus Christ, now we stand before God again. We're in, we're in heaven. 
But we all each individually stand before God again. Look at what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The first test is the white throne judgment. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Or you may hear it this way. It's called the bema of Christ. It's, it's, it's where he literally is coming. He wants to reward us for the things we've done in this life. And it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, watch, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. There's so much, and I've talked about this in the past, there's so much in the Bible that talks about that Jesus says, even in the book of Revelation, he goes, here I am coming and my reward is with me. He wants to reward us. And for many of us, we're going to stand there and Jesus is going to go, you're in, <laughs> but I got nothing for you. I, I got nothing. For others, the Bible makes it real clear. Crowns, mansions, rulership, authority over cities because of what we've done in this life. It's not going to be a punishment. It's going to be a reward or no reward based on what we've done in this life. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Look at this, just, just one example. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. There's the question. What have you done with Jesus? Question number one. What have you done with what I've given to you? So, so clear all throughout the Scripture. What did you do? with what I gave you. Now, let me give you the answer. Here it is. Right answer, question number two. The right answer is, I gave my life away. What did you do with what I gave you? I gave my life away. I, I didn't live life to fulfill myself, to just, just to, to fulfill every desire, every craving, every wish, every whim that I have. I gave my life away to impact others for your sake. That's what I did. That's what we were talking about all this week in Connexus. Listen, I'm not talking about being a pastor. I'm talking about you fulfilling God's call on your life right where you are to impact other people's lives for his sake. You are where you are for his sake. Right answer, I gave my life away. Jesus said it this way, whoever seeks to save his life, some of you know this, whoever seeks to save his life, what? Will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will gain eternal life. Lose my life. I gave my life away. This perspective is so important as we start talking about living a legacy, driven by eternity. That's the perspective that you and I need to have, the perspective that we're driven by eternity. This is interesting. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11, it puts it this way. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity into the human heart. This is so interesting. Anthropologists, you go into these cultures that have had uh, no contact with outside civilization. They, they, they don't know anything about Christianity, anything like that. And it's amazing. Those civilizations, they are not atheists. Every one of those civilizations has some idea of deity and the afterlife. Where did that come from? He also has set eternity in the human heart. There, there is something that God has put into the heart of every human being. I don't mean to be dramatic. I'm just trying to explain so you understand what's, what's been happening. You, you stand there at a funeral. I'm a pastor. I do this all the time. And there's that casket of that person that you love. There is something that gnaws on the inside of man. That cannot be the end. That, that just can't be the end. There's, there's got to be something more than this. That's God who put that eternity in there. That, that's not something you ate. That's not some kind of fanciful dream or wish. God has placed, he set eternity into the human heart. That this that we see, this that we feel, this, this is not all that there is. There's got to be something more than this. Now, here's the thing. There is something more. That's what we've been talking about. So here's the thing. 
if you want to make your life live, really count for time and eternity, you, you can't just, you and I just can't live through life just whatever people say we ought to do, whatever we, we ought to be involved in, whatever we ought to prioritize. We've got to live intentionally. We've got to learn to live intentionally, driven by eternity. So I want to give you three ways real practically to live eter uh, intentionally with this eternal mindset. Here's the first one. I will, live I will intentionally give what I have. I will intentionally give what I have. I, I love that, again, about Uncle Fritz. Uncle Fritz is intentional. I, I, I mean, here's the thing. He lives in a one-bedroom apartment. He, he drives a car that's 20 years old. And he's like, here you go. Split this four ways. $12,000 worth of gold. And it's the third time he did it. I will intentionally give what I have. It's so powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 puts it this way. But since you... Uh, I'm sorry, did we... Did I jump over one? No, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, maybe we got it in the wrong spot. Can we go to the other one? Uh, maybe it's the next one we got in the wrong place. There it is. Okay. All right, there we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Man, I tell you again, Uncle Fritz, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, you know? There's something about being generous. You know what? People that thank Uncle Fritz, but it's like, thank you, God. Listen, go outside this country. The poorest of the poor globally are incredibly wealthy. The poorest of the poor in this country. I mean, we do crazy stuff, don't we? We have a room dedicated to our automobiles. Check it out. Statistically in the world, only 10% of the human population even own an automobile. One. Families. One. 10%. I'm not asking for a show of hands. How many families? Two. And we park them in their own special rooms so we don't have to scrape the snow. I, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. When you think about it, you'll be made rich in every way. Why? God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. Why? So that we can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. Now look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. It says, but since you excel in everything, God's speaking here. He says, since you excel in everything, talking to Christians, in faith, how many, it's important. Faith is so important. In speech, it, it's important that we use speech that glorifies God and, and not ourselves. In knowledge and complete earnestness and in love, we have kindled in you. Watch what the scripture says. See to it. See that you also excel in the grace of what? Giving. There's a grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving. You know what this word excel means? It's pretty interesting. I'm not talking about, you know, some kind of app for your computer, uh, software, or anything like that. Did this word excel in the original language of the New Testament? I looked it up. It's pretty interesting, which is Greek. This, this word excel, what it literally means is to abound or be over and above. Excel in the grace of giving. One translation puts it this way. Grow in the grace of giving. Now, three years ago, we had a, a series. It's been a, actually three years since we've done a series like this. Three years ago, this time frame, 2014, I did a series similar to this called it Beyond Ourselves. And we talked about it. At the time, we had three services. I was preaching three services every Sunday morning, same message. I was like, my brain was oatmeal. And uh, I used to have this full head of glorious blonde hair, but it all fell out during those three services. Not really, I'm just saying that. And uh, so, so it, just, it just made me feel really old. And, and I'd have pastors, my pastor came in, others, and they're like, you can't do this consistently. It's going to kill you, Greg. And, and we realized we needed to do something. We'd have three services. And so we share, and I just challenged the Valley family. I was like, you know what? I feel like we all need to just take a step to grow in the grace of giving. 
and go beyond ourselves. And I talked to the Valley family at the time about starting a second campus. Fast forward to where we are three years later, all right? At the time, we had about 500 people, maybe 600 people in our whole church. Now we have four services, two locations, seven online services, online campus every single week, and over 1,500 people that call Valley Christian Church their home. Because we together, we, just, we took a step to, to, to stretch. It's like great, giving's a muscle. It's like it has to be stretched. We had to stretch in order to do it. In fact, let me do this. I don't want to make this awkward or anything. Let me just ask you, how many of you have come to Valley Christian Church in the last three years? Just raise your hand right now. Look at that. Look at that. Just look around. Look around. Keep them up. Look around the room. It's just nuts. Our church has tripled in three years. It worked. But it never would have happened if we didn't decide, you know what? It's not about me. We want to reach more people for Jesus Christ. And we took a step to, to excel in this grace of giving. And so, uh, let me put this up. This is what we shared three years ago, and I think this is the best way. If we just put up that next slide. This is what we call our gener generosity ladder. And, and I'm going to just one more time do it three years later. Just ask, and, and, and we've got some exciting things we're going to be sharing over the next few weeks. I, I want right now just to ask you, just identify where you are on this generosity ladder. Let me explain it. First time giver. Maybe you're here, and you've never given anything to Valley Christian Church. That's okay. I just want to encourage you. Pray about it. Think about it. Take one step. Just, just take a step. Grow in the grace of giving. Occasional giver, that's like every now and then, oh God, okay, right there. But it's no system, no rhyme or reason to it. Just maybe you're an occasional giver. Take a step. Intentional giver, what's an intentional giver? Intentional giver is like a percentage giver. That there's a, okay, every month I give this amount. Every month I give this amount. Every month I give this amount. And it's, and it's probably a percentage, but, but not, not it, up to 9%. Because here's the thing. The Bible talks a lot about tithing. That word tithe doesn't mean like giving money. It literally means 10%. 10% of your income. I, I, I've tithed since I was 14 years old. Since I was 14 years old. First job I ever had. Tithe, give 10% back to God's work. 10%. That's what that word means. Tithing. And then if you're there, take the next step. Bold giver. This is grow in the grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving to take that stretch. That's what so many of you raise your hand. That's what we did three years ago before you ever darkened the door. We did it for you. We did it for you. And it worked. It worked. And so as we start this series, and, and before I show you all the cool stuff that we're going to be doing and the new location, what it's going to look like in Poughkeepsie and, and where we're launching our new campus down uh, in Westchester and what we're going to be doing for the kids here, before I show you all that stuff, I just want to ask you to pray. Just pray. Because this works. Pray about taking a step. Just identify where you are. No one's going to call you. We're not gonna. We're not gonna twist your arm. I'm not gonna tell you where well, you ought to be given this. No one's gonna do that. I'm just gonna challenge you, like I challenged the church three years ago. Just pray about it. Pray about taking a step. Grow in the grace of giving. Now, not only has our church tripled in the last three years. I pulled up my Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> and you know what I discovered? Think about this for just a minute. Since January of 2016. This is why we do what we do. In less than two years' time, since January of 2016, 324 people have received Jesus Christ as their Savior at Valley Christian Church. In less than two years. 324 people. Let me put that in perspective for you. The average size church in America is 75 We've birthed five churches. Five churches. In three years. Not even three years, less than two years, because that's January 2016. We didn't even count before then. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's well over that in three years. This works. And so this is, this is the takeaway. Just, just identify where you are right now. Pray about it and just take a step to grow in the grace of giving. 
So here's the second thing, how to live intentionally. I will intentionally give what I have. Here's the second thing, I will intentionally serve others. I will intentionally serve others. There's something about when you get out of the chair and you roll your sleeves up and you start serving other people, life just starts looking different. And, and let me just, can I do this? Like, I'm an old football coach, right? <laughs> can I just challenge you? If you've been here at Valley for over a year, sometimes you take, you know, you got to get acclimated. Sometimes maybe you're coming from another church and you've been burnt and all that. But if, you, if, if you've been here for over a year, it's time to get in the game. It's time to get in the game. Because there are more people that God wants us to reach and we need some more help. It's time to get in the game. I will intentionally serve others. Look at what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Jesus put it this way. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus is talking about himself. He's, he's the Son of Man. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We serve because our Savior served. We serve. So I will intentionally give what I have. I will intentionally serve others. Here's the third way to live life intentionally so that it, our life outlives us. Third way is this. I will intentionally share Christ. I will intentionally share Jesus Christ with others. How does that happen? Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We're supposed to be repping him. Are you repping the J? Are you repping the J? Repping the JC? We're supposed to be his ambassadors. And you know what? I, I know sometimes I get awkward and, and all these things. Listen, Christmas is coming up. Christmas is like a huge time. Uh, and and we're, I think we're having, what, six or seven? It's like crazy. Just put me in a basket on Christmas Day. I'm shot. But we're having like six or seven services and all this stuff. We're coming. We're going to have a big Christmas series as, long, as soon as this one's over. And, and, and uh, it's a great time to invite your friends, your unchurched friends and family members. I mean, this series is pretty good, I guess. I don't know. But, but anyway, we're Christ's ambassadors. Listen, sometimes it's awkward. Like, well, I don't know how to share Jesus. Christ with other people. Listen, let me do it. You invite them here. I'll do it. Because that's like my sphere. That's, that's how God's wired me. In a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give everyone an opportunity, if you haven't done that before, to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So you're in that book, not all these books over here. I don't want you to be in these books. I want you in that book. God wants you in that book. That's why Jesus died, so you'd be in that book. He wants that for you. We're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Luke chapter 14, verse 23 says, Go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Do you, do you know what that means? Look around you. There's some empty seats here, aren't there? <laughs> we got work to do. God wants them full. God wants them full. Fill those seats. That's what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. The church is always at its best when we're going. Never meant to just, just hang on to what we got. Just hold on. Just be satisfied with, with, with our holy huddle and forget about all those folks out there. That's not the way Jesus wants it. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. I will intentionally give what I have. I will intentionally serve others. I will intentionally share Christ. That's how we make a difference in this life for all eternity's sake. There, there is nothing, listen, there, there's nothing like it in the world. And I encourage you, maybe 50 there's 52 weeks in the year, right? Come to church, but two of those weeks, bring someone with you. Just two times. There's nothing like it in the world when you see the love of Jesus Christ penetrate your friend's heart. And life begins to look completely different because of the power of God. There's nothing like it in the world. Why? Why do we do this? Why, why, why do we do Why I got to talk about, you know, being generous and serving and, and sharing and all those things? 
This is why, look, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is what the Bible says. Command those. Now, this is pretty interesting. 1 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul, and it's God's thoughts and all, to a young pastor named Timothy. Uh, he was about 30 years old, and he's teaching him how to be a pastor. And it's pretty interesting. He says there, like I said, I'm going to challenge you. I'm just being really nice and sweet because that's my disposition. But the Bible says command people. Tell them this is what they have to do. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying pray about it. Take a step. The Bible says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. God wants you to enjoy your stuff. He just wants you to share it generous. goes on, he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Why? Because he wants to reward you. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up, look at this, this is what it's all about. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. What's he talking about? Eternity. What we do with our stuff in this life echoes in all eternity. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Really life. That's the, the, if I could sum up this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. One succinct statement that, 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 that you can take with you. Here it is. There is more to this life than this life. That's it. There is more to this life than this life. Because, I mean, let, let's face it, last Christmas, you know that thing you just had to have? Just had, it was going to bring you so much joy and fulfillment. And now you forgot where you put it. See, our world says that's what it's all about. He who dies with the most toys wins. No, he's dead. That's not winning. I've never seen a Hertz with a U-Haul behind it. It just doesn't go like that. You can't take it with you. There's more to this life than this life. Here's what I want to do. Next week, we're going to talk about four legacy lanes. Four legacy lanes. Four-way legacy. How, we're not asking you, listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. We're not asking you, I'm not asking you, to give to Valley Christian Church. Don't, don't make that mistake of thinking that. I'm asking you to give through Valley Christian Church to impact Hopewell Junction, Dutchess County, the United States, the world. Don't, don't, give to, don't give to us. Give through us and leave a legacy. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you know how much I hate doing this. <laughs> God, you know I don't like talking about giving and generosity and money and all those things, but Lord, you know I wouldn't be shooting straight because there's so much in your word if, if I ignored this topic. In reality, I've kind of pushed it off for the last three years. But it's time. And Father, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just pour out your grace upon us. Lord, so many of us are here today because of what happened three years ago. People taking a step, not for themselves, but for those who would come beyond themselves. Lord, I just pray for courage right now that we would take another step, some of us the first step, Lord, to grow in the grace of giving.
that, Lord, we would truly lay a firm foundation for the coming age by what we do with what we have in this age. Father, thank you that you're a giver and that you didn't keep your son to yourself, but you gave your only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, God, for giving us Jesus. Right now in this moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me just give you an opportunity. If you've never taken advantage and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Because it's not about what you know about Him. Do you know Him? The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how we, that's how we get our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. By receiving him, declaring, Jesus is my Lord. He died for me. Because I, I, I would never be good enough. You, you'll never be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. Salvation is a free gift of God because of Jesus Christ. Perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection. And so right now, I just want to lead you in a prayer. If you've never prayed and received Jesus as your Savior, and I'm just going to ask you to open your heart up right now in this moment of contemplation in God's presence right now. And just repeat this prayer after me from your heart. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for my sins. Write my name in that book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Guide me. Direct me. Instruct me. And I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.